0: So let's uh, let's study the book of Colossians tonight, and um, that's just a joke. <laughs> uh, we're we're back to Romans uh, chapter 10. Uh, Lord willing, we looks like uh, we'll we'll cover hopefully a couple of verses, verses uh, 12 and 13. Uh, let me read them to you uh, first, <clears throat> and. Um, Uh, they go like this. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, guys, um, I, I'm gonna, I don't do this all the time. Um, but, uh, you know, every now and then it, the, the, it strikes my fancy. And, you know, Eric Tucker is here and, and, um, I'd need to do things as simply as I can possibly do them for him. Um, so uh, tonight I have a, a an outline. I don't normally have an outline, but I have an outline tonight, and I'm, I'm so excited about it. So um, uh, in terms of Romans 12, uh, 10, 12, and 13, there are three words that we're going to look at tonight. <clears throat> uh, they're in the text. They, they kind of summarize the text, I think. Um, th- the first word is in verse 12, no distinction. No um, distinction. The um, the second word um, has to do with rich or riches, depending on your translation. And then the third word that we're going to look at tonight has to do with the word call, which is mentioned a couple of times. It's um, it's in verse twelve and it's in verse thirteen. So my comments tonight will be really um, uh, grouped around those three words. No distinction. Rich or riches, and then the third, of course, being the call. So look at the text with me um, and this statement that he makes in verse 12, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. Now, gang, um, this, this doesn't strike you as particularly um, earth-shattering. Number one, uh, it, 2,100 years have passed since he said it. The other thing is you're a Gentile. But, gang, this statement uh, that Paul makes here is one of the big points that he makes throughout his apostolic ministry. That is, in fact, let me, let me just show you that just to, to prove my point. If you can keep your finger right there and find the book of Ephesians um, real quickly. Let me read you something, a couple of things out of chapter 3. Um, chapter 3, Ephesians 3, beginning of verse 3. Uh, no, no, uh, how about 2? Assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, Paul says, okay, God, has given, he's given something to me that's really big. Um, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation. Well, Paul, I mean, mystery, what mystery? As I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery. of Oh, God's given me this great stewardship and it's a mystery. It's a mystery that he's given to me. And, and then he goes on, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery of which I have been made the steward has not been made known to previous generations. And then verse 6 he says, this mystery, here it is, is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body. Gang, one of the things that marked the Apostle Paul's ministry was that he was the introducer of the idea that Gentiles were to be considered on an equal plane with Jews. That was absolutely earth-shattering if you have a, a, a set of Jewish ears and a Jewish background. He says that here, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. You can't imagine how much trouble that caused and how much pain it caused the Apostle Paul. This is what basically caused people to hate him so. That he introduces this thing, and the thing that he introduces is that Gentiles are to be brought in uh, on an equal heirship with Jews. It was the mystery of Christ, he says. It has not been made known to people before me, and I am the steward of this great treasure, of this great mystery, and here it is. There's no distinction between Jews and Gentiles. Now you, you kind of ho-hum over the oh, 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 could you move on, Jimmy? But gang, this is one of the big things that Paul, um, is known for. His introduction of this theme that there is to be no distinction ever made again between a Jew and a Gentile in terms of their standing in the covenant community. Gang, um, this, um, uh, it's, um, verse 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We're going to come back to that. But that is a quote. That is a quote from Joel chapter 2. Do you know who else used that quote? (laughs) Peter. On the day of Pentecost, Peter stands before this, you know, the Holy Spirit is poured out for the first time and. And all these people, you know, storm the, the podium. You know, Peter's up there preaching his little heart out, and and they, they interrupt him in the midst of his sermon. <laughs> That's never happened to me. Um, uh, you know, stop, stop, just tell us the punchline. You know, it, they, they storm the, the podium and say, Peter, Peter, could you possibly tell us what must we do to be saved? And, um, and, and, and in that sermon, of course, my point is, he quotes the same verse that Paul quotes here in verse 13, Joel chapter 2. Now, here's my point, guys. Peter preached this thing that there is to be no distinction between Jew and Gentile. But later on, he still doesn't get it. Peter preached it and he didn't get it. Remember, he was uh, in Acts chapter 10... He's up on the, the roof of the house and and he gets this vision about all things that are clean to eat now and he said and Peter said no oh, not me oh, oh, oh. I'm a good Jew and I'd never have anything to do with those Gentiles. Gang, Peter in Acts chapter two preached this thing, and yet he still didn't get it. It is so big, so huge that Jew was now to be considered on an equal plane with Gentile. Or Gentiles supposed to be on the equal plane with Jews. Folks, you do know that later on, when Paul and Peter got in such a fight in Galatia, you know what the issue was, don't you? The issue was, Peter was still struggling with this issue of, you know, uh, including the Gentiles into his life. Gang, this is huge. When, when when Paul says there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. Holy moly. Again, not very impressive to you. Twenty-one centuries later and you're a Gentile. But for an audience that has Jewish ears, what Paul is revealing is earth shattering and very offensive. That is, we don't we don't even like it what you're saying, buddy. But, I mean, this was a brand new idea. And, and it's, it's brand new, but it shouldn't have been because Jesus dropped hints in his ministry. Um, I read this morning in my time with the Lord in, in um, uh, Matthew chapter 8. You don't have to turn there, but um, when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, Truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and uh, in the kingdom of heaven. Do you hear what he's saying? This is early on in his ministry, and Jesus, this centurion comes up to him and says, "Could you heal my slave and my servant?" He says, "Well, you know, I'll be glad to. I'll come to your house and heal him." And the guy says, "No, don't come over here. I know who you are. I know what you're like. I know what authority you. Just say the word." I'm a man of authority. I know what this goes, you know, I say to somebody, they go, they, you know, and I know who you are. So just, just speak the word. And Jesus says, holy moly, I haven't seen, I haven't seen faith like that in all of Israel. And then it's like he pauses for a second and says, you know, there's going to come a day when people are going to come from the east and they're going to come from the west and they're going to sit down at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Do you know what he's saying? Jesus is saying Gentiles are going to be included, but the Jews never heard that. I mean, the whole idea was repugnant to them to have Jews in the same kingdom with—I mean—to have Gentiles in the same kingdom with us. No, can't stand the idea. There was another—there was another incident in the—in the life of Jesus. Remember, it was called—it's in Mark seven. She's called the Syrophoenician woman. Remember that? And this woman comes to Jesus and says, I need your help, I need your help, I need your help. And Jesus says, I mean, by the way, Jesus is criticized about, for the way that he deals with the Syrophoenician woman. She comes and she says, I need your help. And, and Jesus says, <laughs> I'm sorry, I ain't got time for you. Uh, I'm here, um, I'm here for the Jews. Uh, you know, everything that I got is, um, is for Israel. And they have this little dialogue about the scraps on the table, and she says, "You know," he says, "The table's set for Judaism, you know, not for." And, and she says, "Yes, but but even us Gentile dogs, we feed on the scraps that have fallen to the ground. There's enough on your table, Jesus, to feed even Gentiles." And Jesus says, "Okay, <laughs> that's fine. What do you want?" There's hints in the ministry of Jesus Christ that Gentiles are going to be included. But the one who broke the news, the one who delivered the really big message, he even calls it a mystery, was the apostle Paul. And he, he says that to the Ephesian church and then he comes here into this Roman letter where his audience is maybe not completely Jewish, but predominantly Jewish, and says, there is no distinction. Between Jew and Gentile, earth-shattering. Again, maybe not for you, but for this audience. He goes on um, in verse twelve. There is no distinction between, uh, between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing His riches on all who call on Him. Now, guys, um, that's that is a fairly difficult sentence to translate. Some of your translations don't do it like I just said. In fact, um, some of your translations say that the same Lord is rich over all. Um, it's 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 a participle and it's difficult to translate. But the the point is this this is a this is a faithful rendering of the sense of the text. The same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing His riches on all who call on Him the same Lord is Lord over the entire universe and and his riches of grace are able are, are able to include even Gentiles uh, there's there's enough he has enough riches it's enough for everybody um, he is he is an all-sufficient savior. He he bestows his riches. Uh, he, um, he doesn't need any help. Uh, you don't need to add anything to his quantity of riches. In fact, if you add anything, you destroy the whole thing. He has riches enough to include Gentiles. Not only is there enough for everybody... But there's also enough for anything. That is, Jesus is so rich, He is able to give salvation to anybody, no matter what their sin. There's enough riches within. There's enough on that table for Gentiles. There's enough in that bank for Gentiles. There's enough in that bank For murderers, there's enough in that bank. For adulterers, there's enough in that bank. For homosexuals, there's enough in that bank. No matter what you've done, there's riches that are bestowed lavishly. He bestows his riches. He's got enough for any who call on him. There's enough riches there. But, gang, notice this. (coughs) Pardon me. The salvation that Jesus represents depends. Get this. Salvation depends on his ability to give, not on your ability to get or your ability to give. Very frankly, ladies and gentlemen, when it comes to riches... You ain't got none. We ain't got any. My standing depends on the riches of the one who is Lord over everything and and that vast treasure house. My condition is dependent upon his ability to give and bestow and lavish I don't have any riches. I can't bring any riches. I can't bring any riches because I don't have any riches to give or to or to bring. He's enough. He's enough for anyone who will call upon him. It's all there. Um you're bankrupt. We're bankrupt. And he's got enough for everybody, for anything. (laughs) It doesn't matter. Oh, but Jimmy, you don't know what I've done. You don't know how I've um, spurned the gospel for so many years of my life. You don't know how I've thumbed my nose at at anything that was uh, about this Jesus. You don't know how I've done that. Well... No, I don't. But I know of his riches. Oh, but Jimmy, you don't know what I did to my ex-wife. You don't know what I've done to my children. You don't know what I've done at the office. You don't know what I did in college. No, I don't. And in one sense, I really don't care. I do care at another level because we all bear scars of our sinful past, don't we? (laughs) And we bring those into the kingdom with us. Yes, we do. But at another level, in terms of, are there riches enough for me? Yeah. Yeah, there's riches enough for you and for me and for the, anybody else who calls upon him. There's a there's a vast bank account out of which he draws everlasting eternal riches and lavishes on, on them upon all who call. Um, but don't try to add any of your riches because if you add something you destroy the whole thing um, don't try to contribute the only thing that you have to contribute is your sin but I contribute that to a Lord who is Lord of everything and has riches that he pours out on all who call upon him. Now one other thing, and then I want to get to the word call. Guys, one of the things that I want you to notice, that one of the, th- one of the things that Paul is doing here in verse 13, when he quotes Joel 2, he has in mind that he is speaking to a Jewish audience. And in, uh, by way of implication, he is saying to these Jewish his Jewish audience, what I am preaching is nothing new. I got this right out of your book. <laughs> you know that book you tote around? The one that's called the Old Testament, at least by us. By the way, Judaism doesn't like us calling that book the Old Testament. But anyway, you know that Old Testament that you tote around? What I'm preaching came right out of your book. I didn't make this up. This is nothing new. It came from your book. Then he quotes Joel. Um, And and I want you to notice in verse 12, um, riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now let's talk about that word because it's 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 crucial. Um, how do we um, how do we uh, illustrate the kind of call that that we're talking about here? <clears throat> well, very honestly, folks. First thing you need to see about this call, uh, and by the way, any who calls are the ones that get riches. But what kind of call is this? Well, there's, there's a couple of things that you got to you got to know about the call, guys. That is, that is the thing that you do, <laughs> um, and it's pretty much all we can do. the um, The best illustration that, that that I could come up with is this: it's like the call of a drowning man. You know, guys. Um, if you're swimming out in the ocean and you're, um, you're about to drown, you might call. But you're not going to call until you know that your situation is hopeless. While there's any prospect in your mind that I can pull this off, I can swim to the shore, I can make it on my own, I ain't calling nobody because it's embarrassing. I mean, <laughs> a big strapping young man like myself, big strapping old man like myself, you know, my goodness, I can make it to the shore. I mean, I've still got plenty of resources here. I've plenty got, I got lots of wherewithal here. I mean, yeah, I'm choking a little bit, but you know, I'll make it. I'll make it and I'll just try harder and swim more and kick more and, you know, but when I come to the place when I recognize that my situation is utterly hopeless, call for somebody to provide something that i cannot provide for myself come get me but i only do that when i recognize that my that i'm in i'm in big trouble and when i recognize that my situation is hopeless Then I call. Who is it that calls? Only those who know they're drowning. And not until. I mean, we got too much pride to be calling for somebody to come help us. But when we get to the point where we recognize my situation is hopeless, then we call guys just to, just to try and expand the whole idea because I'm telling you it's the key word in these in these verses. The, the, uh, the riches of his grace get applied to any who call whether they're Jew or Gentile Gentile but the riches of his grace do not are not extended to anyone who doesn't call. And those who don't call feel like they still can just a little bit more. They can handle this. But when you come to the place where you know that you are you are on your way to the bottom, that's when you call, and that's what is in mind here. I don't care whether you're Jew, Gentile, or a hun, you call. And there are riches of grace available for you. Just a couple of places where I I just thought that illustrated the call. Acts chapter 13, excuse me, um, Acts chapter 16. Remember, Paul is in jail. And um, uh, all of a sudden there's this earthquake at night. Paul and Silas are in jail and, you know, they're singing hymns. They really are. They're singing hymns. Well, they're in jail. They just got beat up by the authorities. And they're in jail singing 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 a hymn or hymns. Everybody in the jail hears and then there's this earthquake and the jailer gets up and and uh, says, uh, okay, I'm going to have to kill myself because all the the, uh, the the cell doors are open and all the prisoners escape. And if they escape, that means I'm a dead man anyway, so I might as well go ahead and kill myself. And what Paul says is, he hey, wait, wait, don't do that. Don't do that. No, 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 we're all here. The Philippian jailer in verse 30 of chapter 16 comes running into the... To the um, to the jail cell and he says, he looks at Paul and he says, what must I do to be saved? That's a call, ladies and gentlemen. That's the thing that Paul has in mind in Romans 10. When you come to the place where you say, okay, I am a lost man. You call. One other place that I thought was just a, just a splendid Illustration, you don't need to turn here, but it's <clears throat> it's Acts, Excuse me, it's Luke chapter 18. This is the parable of the Pharisee and the the the, the publican uh, or the or the publican and the you know the guy that comes in and and the, um, one was a Pharisee and the other was a tax collector. Remember that or a publican. The Pharisee comes in, and he comes into the temple. It's a, it's, it's a parable. It's not, it didn't happen. But um, two men come into the temple, and the Pharisee stands up front, and he says, "God, man, I thank you that I'm not like that riffraff. I mean, look at him, particularly that guy in the back back there. I mean, he's just, he's just awful. I mean, I tithe twice a day, and, and I, and I give my, uh, I, I, I fast twice a week." <laughs> I, I give uh, ties of all that I get. And um, then, of course, the, the scene shifts to the tax collector who's back in the corner and, and um, standing afar off and would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. It's a call. That's what Paul has in mind. He says, there are riches available and riches to be lavished on all those who call, whether Jew or Greek. God, my only hope is that you'll have mercy on somebody whose situation is as hopeless as mine is. When you know you're drowning, you'll call, but not a moment before You'll try to figure out whatever way you can possibly figure out to try to save yourself, and as long as you do that, there's no riches for you. One other thing, and I'm done. It's just an illustration. This calling on the name of the Lord. There's a, there's a, um, this, this great statement in the book of Proverbs. <clears throat> The name of the Lord is a strong tower; the righteous man runs into it and is safe. <laughs> Can't you just see the drowning man seeing the, the refuge, and he runs into it, and for the first time, perhaps in his entire life, he realizes, "I'm safe. I'm safe. I've never been safe before." But the name of the Lord is a strong tower. It provides refuge for those who call. Um, I want you to notice in the text, back in Romans <clears throat> chapter 10, is one other thing that you need to notice about the text. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. It's not enough to call, folks the call has to be directed towards the right object you can you can recognize your your pitiful plight but if you call on the new age movement it won't help you if you call on mormonism it won't help you if you call on buddhism it won't help you if you call on liberal protestantism it won't help you you call On the name of the Lord. I I, I give you an illustration, I'm done. Imagine that you're on a cliff and you've just been, you're you're falling off a cliff or somebody pushed you out. It doesn't make any difference how you got out there, but you're you're, you're headed straight to the bottom. And um, as you're going down, you notice that there's this tree. It's kind of the the beetle bailey um, scenario. They have it probably... Two dozen times a year, where either Sarge or Beetle Bailey are holding on to the, under the thing on the side of the mountain, and but you're you're going down, you're headed down, and you you see that there's a tree sticking out there, and it's a sturdy looking tree. And it, and if you can just if you can just get it, then you know you're going to be fine. You think maybe. But I, I, I think it will. I, it's a, it's a strong-looking tree. And, yeah, and you grab it, and you're saved. Same scenario, changes a little bit. You're, you're on your way down, and um, you see a tiny little branch sticking out of the tree, uh, sticking out of the, the side of the mountain. But you really have just the greatest degree of confidence that this thing is going to save you. I mean, you're absolutely certain that that thing, that's going to, that's going to be my ticket to, to, you know, to safety. You grab it, pulls out of the thing and you tumble to the, to the bottom. A dead man. The, The point of the illustration is this, guys. It's not a question of whether your faith is strong or weak. It's a question of the strength of the object in which you put it. So you come quivering to the side of Jesus and say, I think this in my life is such a mess, and I'm drowning, and and I don't I don't know what to do, but I I want to hold on to him. Oh, it's a weak faith. But the issue is not the size of the faith. The the issue is not the the volume of the call. The issue is not the strength. It's, It's the object in which you reached out to save you. That is the strength. The other scenario is, oh, you're confident, but you reached out to the wrong thing. And it did you absolutely no good at all. There's no distinction between Jew and Greek. There's one Lord who's over all, who showers his riches on all who call upon him. Because all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That's what this text is all about. Our Father, I do pray that you will... um, Once again, honor your word, not because I taught it, but because it is inerrant, infallible truth. Because it contains no no contradictions, no fables, no legends. But what it is, is a faithful presentation of What you have done to save sinners, one as wicked as I. Remind your people here tonight, O God, that there is no distinction. There's no distinction between black and white and between Hindu and American. There's no distinction. Because there's one Lord who is Lord of the entire universe. And he has riches that are untold. And all who call upon him with a hand that that trembles because of the desperateness of one's condition. All who call upon him will be saved. What a gospel it is to preach, O God. What a gospel it is to believe that salvation belongs to the Lord and it all depends upon your ability to give. We as uh, the receivers, glory in the great God of untold riches. And we pray, of course, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys, and good night.